Hi, I'm Larry Gifford. I have Parkinson's disease. And I'm Rebecca Gifford, Larry's partner in Parkinson's and in life. This is When Life Gives You Parkinson's. Today, we're talking lessons, stories, tremors, and triumphs as we revisit highlights from the World Parkinson Congress 2023 in Barcelona, Spain. Take three. (laughs) Full disclosure, this is the third time we are attempting to, and I'm not even going to say we're going to do it because I'm going to say it's an attempt. (laughs) Yeah, so the first time I was off. The second time... No, 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 just not, not just off. Off in a way that I had never seen before. Super off. Where it was almost like you were talking to yourself. <laughs> and you, and the rambling, there was kind of... At some point, I didn't... I, we, I said, maybe we should stop because I didn't understand what you were talking about. And you were not hearing my cues. You were also extremely dyskinetic at the time. And so we could tell that you were that you were off and barreling forward and I said, "You know what? We don't need to barrel." And then we just recorded for 45 really, minutes. Really great one, but it, I didn't record it. <laughs> so we only have my side <laughs> of it, which we could just post. Yeah, right? It just wouldn't make any sense. That's yeah. all. So here we are. So here we are. Third time. Fresh from the WPC 3 weeks ago. Wanting to talk about this wonderful event that we went to and really did have a lovely time. I adore the WPC. We're going to talk about some of the highlights, I think, but one of the things that I noticed and found really hopeful and and encouraging was to see the evolution that has occurred in the Parkinson's community and the scientific community over the last four years since Kyoto. It really was dramatic. We had an extra year, but we also had COVID during that time. So seeing that things are moving forward and moving forward a little faster than they previously were was quite hopeful and very evident in lots of ways. The science, the research, the, the the types of um, people who showed up uh, who have Parkinson's, uh, folks from African nations that had never attended before and f- folks from South America that had never been there before and seeing this, this great representation internationally um, really it feels like there's momentum behind the Parkinson's cause. And there was a greater YOPD. Oh, yeah. Lots. Representation. It was the largest... A f- faction of YOPD that have ever attended a WPC. And oh, an entire half a day pre-Congress committed to YOPD topics as well. Yeah. The th- I do want to talk about the science a little bit, though. The science is evolving quickly. Things that were considered fringe topics or things that hadn't been researched very much, or maybe there was one study out there about women with Parkinson's. And now there's a lot greater focus on some of these topics that were just kind of starting to be discussed in Kyoto, women with Parkinson's being one of them. And the understanding that women with Parkinson's have often a very different experience with the disease 
less success with the treatments and medications available. Their biology and chemistry is quite different, and that is only beginning to be understood, and we need more research, and that was talked about quite a bit at this event. Yeah, and I would say in Kyoto, it was whispered about. Uh, There was one presentation from the uh, Parkinson's Foundation back at, at Kyoto, but it wasn't very highly attended. It was it was present, and there were several posters. Uh, PD Avenger co-founder Sonia Mather did a, a poster on women and Parkinson's for the PD Avengers, and Rochelle Flanagan from Ireland, who founded the Women's Parkinson's Project, she, she was there with her team, and they had a poster up. So there was a lot of discussion around women and Parkinson's, and I expect that to, to grow even more. I also liked that there was uh, more discussion about, there was a plenary on the first day, on Wednesday, that was all about subtypes of Parkinson's. The scientific community is starting to look at Parkinson's the same way that it looks at cancer. There are lots of different kinds of cancer. Every cancer is, is different from the next. It's treated differently. It manifests in the body differently. And so therefore needs to be researched differently and have different specialists for each kind. There are specialists for blood cancer. There are specialists for lung cancer. They're starting to look at Parkinson's the same way because we all know when you meet a person with Parkinson's, you meet one person with Parkinson's. Everybody's Parkinson's is very different. So you're looking at how is it contracted? Um, what region are you from? Does genetics play a role in yours at all? I, I find that really exciting because it can only result in better, more specific treatments for people like you. Well, yeah, because right now, uh, each person is addressed personally, so it's personal medicine because you, there is no standard treatment other than the levodopa, like, here, take this. Um, but once we say, oh, well, you've got this type of Parkinson's, then there's a track you can go down. And here are your options. Uh, and we don't have that right now. There are no, we just take them one symptom at a time, and it's symptom treatment is what it is. It was really encouraging also to see Uh, as you mentioned before, greater representation from around the globe, but also attention being paid to those regions, continents, and countries that struggle with access to healthcare and access to medication, and a lot of that having to do with a lack of awareness and stigma. Absolutely. Two-thirds of the world have no access to levodopa, which is a crime. Uh, Levodopa is a, you know, if you don't have it, you can't do anything. I mean, you just can't function without it. And to, to think that there's two-thirds of the world that have no access to that is just mind-boggling. And it's an easy fix. It's a cheap drug. I mean, if, if the countries would open it up, if WHO and, and some others, could, the UN, could, could get involved uh, quicker, uh, we, could, we could really make a difference. And I think you know, those plans are underway, but it's just like science uh, policy is a slow-going process. Kabugo Hannington from Uganda was very present in a lot of panels at the advocacy pre-Congress, was where I, I ran into him, was very impressed with his storytelling and um, his calls for awareness and what stigma and how different the stigma in certain countries is as compared to North American countries and European countries where there's greater awareness and greater access to medicine. Um, 
it was it was nice to see that presence and hear those stories over and over again reach lots of different audiences. Omatolo Thomas, a friend of ours and friend of the of the podcast, um, was also on several panels, and uh, she was very present at the Congress as well. Uh, she founded Parkinson's Africa. So there was a lot of representation there. Um, we have some friends, some new friends from South America, and that's a growing population where they still struggle with, even the more developed countries are still struggling with access to healthcare and awareness of Parkinson's. That representation matters, not just so that we as a Parkinson's community don't forget to engage in that conversation and help where we can, but also so that these fantastic folks can take what they learn and the connections they make and the collaborations that they begin at the WPC and take those home and improve the situation in their own countries. I also think it was very helpful to have them in the discussions where people uh, from North America would be saying, we don't need to inform people about Parkinson's anymore. We need to get beyond that. Public awareness is high. We're good with that, right? <laughs> it's like, wait, whoa, whoa, we're a global <laughs> community. We, uh, right. Uh, but it, it's all part of that think global, act local, and whatever your area needs is what your area needs. Uh, and like uh, you talk about stigma, stigma where Hannington comes from. His mom had Parkinson's and they called her a witch and they removed her family from her house and she was eating dust off the walls. I mean, uh, in, in my life, the stigma could be uh, having... Uh, dyskinesia as I'm trying to cross the street and somebody thinking I'm drunk at 10 in the morning. Who are you here with, Larry? Oh, you, who are we here with? Why don't you tell me? Dr. Tosh. Paul Mayhew Archer. Joy Milne. What are you taking away from this conference? Uh, what I'm taking away from this conference is that this conference has been a celebration of Parkinson's and all the pluses and positives that you can have. And it seems to... I, I, I didn't go to the one in Kyoto, but it seems to me in the last few years there's been a change that we are teaching the, the professionals, the neurologists, rather than them teaching us. I like that. For me, it's all about collaboration. Meeting these people that I've been networking with for the past four or five years is just amazing. Learning from them, sharing experiences and gathering the troops for Parkinson's in Africa. I have loved actually having the 3D persons that I have met on the flat screen for the last four years. Their love and I am so honoured to be with them because how they live with this disease is absolutely amazing and I've enjoyed being with them every day. Okay, now, uh, Paul, I was at your session today and they had made us move rooms. <laughs> now, uh, delightfully, they found that the room was too small and we had to move into a, into a larger room, uh, which, of course, meant that the people who'd been queuing up for ages and got in very early and sat in the front row suddenly found themselves... In, in nearly the back row, so that was yeah, a bit well, sad. Yeah, well, welcome to Parkinson's. Yeah, Life's fucking unfair. Right. So Thank I was you. competing with uh, Paul's session earlier today. Oh, so uh, we were competing for, for the audience. How'd you do? My room was full too, so there we that go. Two very awesome. popular uh, yeah. sessions. So um, you had a movie. I did have a movie. What was the movie? We were... Prem- 
Yeah, Joy was crying her eyes out. I was crying my eyes out. We premiered our film on Parkinson's disease in Kenya and the stigma that people experience associated with witchcraft and actually that leads to people being killed for it. So it was very moving. Well, and we had, for the first time, I believe, a lot of representation from the continent of Africa. We did. We did. We had such great representation. It's much better than it was in Kyoto, and it's going to be even better at the next one. And South America was represented well, too. The Latin community, uh, yeah, amazing. There was yeah. such a great Spanish-speaking community here. And, and that really made it feel much more international than even when we were in Kyoto, I think. Yeah, 100%. For the next one, we will be including the WHO, I Support for Carers, because Professor Annette ha- Hand and I, I'm the head PPI, we will be presenting our uh, three-year study on that, which will bring carers more into oh, the Congress. But also, joy, I think, is going to change the world. I do too. Because this test that they can now do, I mean, it is totally revolutionary. You have, you found what they've been searching for for 200 years, which is the way of testing for Parkinson's that's not based on sort of looking at different symptoms and everything, but is a surefire, it's equivalent to a blood test. I mean, it's just unbelievable. We will be starting in the NHS shortly. We're just dotting the I's and crossing the T's, as Perdita puts it. But yes, we will. And as she says at the end of my TED Talk, we want to put this in every hospital in the world. And for those of you who are regular listeners of this podcast, Joy's been on several times talking about her nose and how she can smell Parkinson's. The nose that changed the world. (laughs) The, the last WPC, she came up to me on the last day and gave me a hug, and she goes, Larry, you need to take a pill. <laughs> <laughs> she goes, and maybe a nap. <laughs> a highlight for me was how present creativity and creative expression was at this one. It was everywhere. It was part of the opening ceremony and really beautiful, humorous... <laughs> collaborative ways. It also, I was on a panel where there were lots of, there were lots of different kinds of creative expression represented as well as a scientist talking about the benefits of creative, certain kinds of creative expression to the brain and to to, uh, treating diseases. It was, there were, there was art everywhere. It was, there was a renewal room where there was dance and improv and and lots of kinds of creative expression that were explored. It was explored in the Care Partner Lounge uh, that I was involved in. Uh, there were a couple of, of uh, workshops there, one that I led that had to do with using creative expression as a tool along your journey. I love that that is a much more accepted and and present part of events like this because it's undeniable that it is an important part of anyone's journey. Creativity can be can blossom after a diagnosis, but also creativity becomes a more important tool to a lot of us, the two of us included, after a diagnosis like this. You got to get your toolbox in order. Mm-hmm. And creative expression can be a really powerful tool in that toolbox. I was in the Friday session with Paul Mayhew Archer, and he had that place in Stitches. He's been doing a one-man show and about his Parkinson's, and it was it was great just to be in a room full of people laughing. And then Thursday night, we were in another room full of people who were laughing, um, and it was uh, supposed to be 
the WPC's entertainment night where people could sign up to sing or dance. The Parkinson's improv troupe was set to sort of open and close that Thursday night event, but they canceled it uh, due to uh, funding issues. And so we said, well, we can yes and that. And so Dan Dumsha, who is my coach uh, here at the Tightrope Theater. And And the Magical Rosemary. And the Magical Rosemary. Uh, they uh, went about finding a theater for us in Barcelona so we could, the six of us who were traveling from the troupe could, could still perform. With about a week to plan this. It was amazing, and it sold out 70 seats. People wanting to get in, couldn't get in. We were the toast of the town, well, at least for that moment. It was a lot of fun, but more than that, it was really meaningful. And it was a, it was a group of people supporting these folks on the stage and you genuinely wanting to entertain us and inform us about Parkinson's and what your experience is and how improv has helped you on your journey. And it was just a lovely, hilarious, meaningful event. was definitely a highlight of our time at WPC. For sure. I really enjoyed talking to all the different people that we've been Skyping with or, or Zooming with through the, the pandemic and people that maybe we saw didn't really meet the last one or people that we've met since and never met in person. I mean, there was a lot of hugging going on at this WPC. That was definitely the highlightiest of the highlights <laughs> for me. I love your vocabulary. <laughs> 
it's all these things. The programming was great and the events were great and the presentations were great and our involvement was great and responsibilities were great. But really, the main reason to go to this kind of event is the camaraderie and the sense of unity and shared experience and connection that happens when there's a room full of people, an entire building full of people who understand Parkinson's, who are engaged in the Parkinson's community and are committed to somehow contributing to the Parkinson's community in their own way. And it's one of the few places where the scientific community, the medical community, healthcare provider community, is in the same place as the people affected, directly affected by the Parkinson's, the people with Parkinson's, their care partners, their families. At this kind of event, you have the opportunity for all of those folks to mingle together, and that's part of why people go. And then those relationships grow over the years because you're on committees together. Like I was an ambassador, so I was on several committees for this WPC. So I, some of the scientists I met last time, I got to know better. Uh, and then you, you, and you just run into to random people that you've, maybe talk to on on zoom at a, at, a, at a bigger event and then you're like oh you're you you have a body outside your box <laughs> even on the panels that we were on I had very little interaction with them and only over zoom these these lovely people who once we were actually hearing their presentations connecting our stories learning more about them meeting them in person these are connections now that are valuable not just for us as professionals or part of the community, but because they're just these really lovely people and we have this shared commitment towards a goal. Yeah, and I, I enjoy running into fellow podcasters in the biz. So uh, the movers and shakers from the UK were there and the trembling EMT, Eric Aquino, we sat down and chatted. Welcome to When Life Gives You Parkinson's. <laughs> Can you give me your name and where you come from? Trembling EMT. Eric Aquino, I come from Easton, Pennsylvania. I've been in healthcare for 20 years now. I've been a rented provider, rent EMT for the state, or was nationally certified. And I'm um, starting an EMS training for emergency personnel. Oh, you had a post- I see your posters in your hand right now. Yeah. So, what kind of reaction did you get to your poster? Oh my God! It's it's a bigger beast than I thought, and it's and it's something that's needed across the world. It's something that every from Australia had one guy come barreling down the the pathway. He's like, and I moved out of his way. He goes, No, I'm here to see you. I'm like, What? He goes, Yeah, I'm a, a nurse from uh, Australia, Parkinson's nurse, and I wanted to see what you're doing because I think it's needed. I'm like, Holy shit! So what's supposed to say? Well, Parkinson's uh, Parkinson's disease emergency care. So basically, it's taking what the APDA has created for first responders and putting an instructional piece through the conversation because they have a great video on stress and how stress will put a Parkinson's patient over the edge and at the same time if they're in a fire alarm or in a high adrenaline situation allow them to walk or do move, do stuff that they couldn't do so what does that mean for the emergency professional in the case of a mass casualty event where they were running out of the building they put them in a triage for the for the ambulatory person. They go to reassess 30 minutes later. Now that person can't walk. Now they think the person's lying or making things up and say, no, I have Parkinson's. But you, 
Parkinson's is just the shaking. You were able to walk here. Having that, that knowledge of saying, oh, okay, the adrenaline of the, of the situation allowed them to walk. Now they really can't walk. Let's, let's move them to the non-ambulatory section and save time and resources trying to find out why they got there, knowing that they're, they know they got there. Or the Parkinson's Foundation has their wearing care kits. Well, they want people to take their medications. Well, how do they get into the hospital? By ambulance. Emergency personnel are trained to tell them, don't take your meds with them. So now there's that argument going at the, at the home, arguing back and forth, where the emergency personnel was trained in Parkinson's. Like, oh, yeah, you do need your meds. Let's take them with you. Yeah. Because they want to they introduce, they want the hospital system to be educated. But where, do, where does that introduction to the hospital system start? Not at the ER. It starts on the couch, on the side of the road, in the, in the, at their job. That's where that conversation starts. That's where they get introduced. Okay, so here you are in, in, in this Spain, for, of all the places. Oh, listen. Barcelona, and what do you think? I'm, I, I still, I, you say it, and it still doesn't sound real. It's one of those things that this disease has taken so much from me, but at the same time, it's opened doors that I would have never walked through before. What do you think you're going to take away from this week? Motivation and, and, and focus and purpose. How have your symptoms been this week with all the added adrenaline? Oh, my God. They've been weird because what I think was going to be my, my barriers and my obstacles haven't and what I thought I was going to be smooth at and not have a problem with have been just in my face say, hey, here I am. Like So, like... Walking, I thought I was having more trouble walking. I have more trouble carrying stuff than I did walking, which normally I can carry stuff fine, and walking, I have trouble walking. Been the complete opposite. Uh, Parkinson's is something that uh, added stress exacerbates or lets you, gives you the energy to do things that you normally wouldn't do. Because well, you produce that little bit of dopamine you have left. Yes, yes, yes. Nobody's been to a WPC. Well, how would you describe it to them? Picture your favorite concert, your favorite three three artists having the same concert at the same time, and you trying to pay attention to all three of them at the same time. For those who aren't weren't at the WBC, I'm wearing bright blue socks and bright pink socks because I've decided um, it's like we wear our Parkinson's like we wear our socks. We hide them, we we don't talk about it, but we all wear socks. Some people wear them out loud and talk about what their, their crazy socks are. So and it's something that, it's, it's a mindset. It's like Tim Haig says, it's perspective. It's all about perspective. Did you just quote the great Tim Haig? I sure did. I sure did. And it's something that we can, we can hide it and, and trip over it because we're trying to shove it in a corner. Or we can push it in front of us and say, hey, this is who I am. This is... I'm wearing a red jacket today. I'm, I'm wearing my tremors today. I'm wearing my dystonia. Or today I'm wearing my mental fog. You're going to have to deal with it because I can't put it away, so might as well work around it. Love me how I am because this is all I got. Exactly. We don't, we don't apologize for our haircut or our, our, our wrinkled shirt. Why do we have to apologize for our Parkinson's? Or why do we have to make excuses for our Parkinson's? We don't make excuses when we have a cold or when we have diarrhea. Let's talk more about diarrhea. No, let's not. <laughs> uh, any new Lego sets? I got a new Lego set that was a, um, a tiger. 
and, and it was on sale for 85% off at the store. I'm like, I'm just taking it. I don't even well, yeah, 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 yeah. I just did the Optimus Prime, Fast and the Furious Charger, and the Lamborghini. And what does Lego do for you? It's my, um, it's my occupational therapy. It helps with my dexterity and keeps me focused and moving my fingers and picking up small stuff. It takes me like 30 hours to build this set, but you know what? It's fun and it, and it gets my mind occupied. Yeah, it's awesome. I and love it. Someone said, I've had this creativity or need to build things. And there's, there's someone who said that there's a correlation with um, dopamine antagonist and creativity. Oh. Yeah, because ever Are since... Are you on antagonist? Yeah. I've built, in the past five years, I've built seven, seven computer tables and three workbenches in my house. I didn't own power tools before I had Parkinson's. <laughs> and I have a whole like workshop in my basement. That's amazing. Yeah. No, no, not when you spend three days in your basement trying to build a small concrete fountain and just compulsion kicks in and. Well, I mean, there's there's other compulsions that could come with agonists. That, 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 that is true. I, I do have I lucked out on the compulsions of building things and not drinking or smoking or. Hypersexuality. Hypersexuality. But that's something that needs to be addressed, too, and talked about. We need to educate more people who are going on Agnes that these things are possible so that we can monitor them because they can break up families. They can, you know, they can be addicted to shopping. Or if you're, addic- if you're hypersexual, you may go somebody outside the marriage yeah. to, to satisfy that craving, and, and that's going to lead to nothing but heartache. Well, hell. <laughs> like, that's not good. That's, I like that. Well, hell. Well, hell. Hey, safe travels back to eastern Pennsylvania. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. It's always great to see you. Nice to meet you. Or nice to see you. Nice to meet you. I just have Parkinson's. Leave me alone. I love you, man. Love you too, brother. Take care. Along those lines of meeting people, we had the privilege of meeting lots of people who were volunteers for the PD Avengers booth. People we'd never met in person. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That was really great um, because it was a bit of a last-minute ad. It um, needed to be peopled as much as possible in an environment that's very busy and can be overwhelming. And still, so many of you stepped up, which is fantastic. So we just want to do a special shout-out to the folks who volunteered for the, at the PD Avengers booth. Yeah, thank you very we much. We got a lot of sign-ups, too. Yeah, we got over 100 people signed up for PD Avengers in that three days. New sign-ups. Yeah. Fantastic. We also heard from many of you, the folks who are our listeners and maybe fans of the podcast. A lot of you came up and said, hello, how much you appreciate the podcast. Just wanted to say hi and put a face to the name, <laughs> to the voice. We saw a lot of that and that we really appreciate that. That really helps us maintain enthusiasm and motivation to do this podcast is our genuine connections with you. And you are all just lovely people. And a special shout out to our new friends in Adelaide, Australia. Tina and Craig Gillespie. Hi, Tina. Hi, Craig. Super volunteers, by the way, for the PD Avengers booth. They were all over it and signed up for lots of slots. Really helped fill those slots and make sure that there was somebody there, a friendly face at the PD Avengers booth. And also, they're fans of the podcast and 
were not shy about talking about that and introducing themselves. And it was, and it was just lovely to connect, connect genuinely with them. And we, I think we found some new friends. I think we're fans of them. Right? We're, so, we're just as much fans of them. They're doing great work in South Australia and seem quite motivated and enthusiastic about taking back what they've learned and new connections and everything else. Tina has played a role in the Care Partner Lounge and the connections made there as well. By the way, the Care Partner Lounge went really well. Really super groups, especially at the support groups in the mornings. Um, I was a part of the YOPD group and helped to co-lead that with the lovely Elaine Book from here in BC. What a great group. Immediately open, immediately genuine connections. There was no question that this was a group that wanted to remain in contact. So a couple of them, including Tina, uh, are involved in making sure that some of the connections that were created here and the support that was already beginning to be shown in the genuine camaraderie and shared experiences in the, amongst the care partners continues. There's, they started a WhatsApp conversation and there's a Facebook page that's now available for any of you care partners who were at the WPC and it, even past WPCs, you can join that, that Facebook page as well. We want to keep that connection going. These are people from all over the world that you would have never met unless you were at the WBC and never known that person shares that part of my experience. And I don't know that I've met anybody else who really shares that part of my experience. I thought I was the only one. And then you find that person who lives in Sweden or something. And that's, that's magical. That's, that is a connection now that you will have as long as you wish to maintain it. Yeah, it's, 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 it's neat because outside that room, then those conversations continue and the bonds grow stronger throughout the week when you see them and whatnot. I was leading a session in the leaders lounge with a, a bunch of uh, support group leaders. And we were talking about how support groups are changing. You don't just have to sit around and ask you how you're feeling, but you can go do um, pickleball or you can go see a movie together or go to dinner or whatever. And, and everybody was sharing their ideas. And then our time was up when they were like, well, let's just take it to the hallway. Yes. And then we, we just continued it for like an hour. That happened with several things. That, yeah, Care Partner Lounge and panels and everything. The conversation just continued. We're not done. Yeah. Can I ask you ladies a few questions? I'd love it. Okay, first introduce yourself, where you're from, and tell me one cool tip you have for a support group. Okay. I'm Julie Worden. I'm from Brooklyn, New York. I work with the Hispanic community in Dance for PD. And I think the main thing is to get out to unusual environments to get awareness for families dealing with PD. I'm Jane Williams. I'm from London, Kentucky. And I have discovered, actually through being at this conference, that one of the most powerful tools people have is their local library. Use your local library or the library. If you're trying to reach out, go to libraries in surrounding communities and build it that way because they reach people, the libraries reach people that we had never been able to reach before. And what is one thing that one other thing that you've learned at this conference that you're going to apply when you get home? Humility. How do you mean? 
the bigger picture, there is so much force. The energy and the optimism in this community and the creativity in this community is so humbling and mind-boggling and opening in such refreshing ways. To build on what Julie said, the humility, um, reach out to everybody. When you have something that needs to be done, don't just think you have to get just these real strong, able-bodied people. Be very inclusive of everybody, and you'll be really surprised what you'll come up with. Uh, Jeff Constable from Melbourne, Australia. My idea is uh, put yourself out there and lead by example. Tina Gillespie, South Australia. I think networking with other people, um, trying to join forces when you're doing the same thing. Uh, Craig Gillespie from South Australia, and um, I can see how uh, Jeff's idea can be like a link between groups in different provinces, different states, and um, put yeah, put yourself out there and do make a spectacle of yourself and. Uh, and, and, and lead by Jump example. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sheena Bottrell from Melbourne. I think um, just being a good advocate and talking out about Parkinson's and trying to help people in a group. Then one other question. At the conference, what is the one thing that you're going to apply as soon as you get home that you learned here? Um, I think speaking out more for women and Parkinson's and so starting a, a group for women on their own I think it's going to be my next goal uh, much more networking and connections with people uh, outside of my own state uh, and connecting more people in Australia together yep. I agree with Jeff definitely like looking at um, Sheena trying to start a young onset women's group and linking the people I know in South Australia with people in Victoria uh, I'm going to eat sweet corn and see how long it takes for it to come out in my poo. <laughs> there was a session about poop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of the conference. Thanks, Larry. Amy Lavalley from the Brian Grant Foundation, Portland, Oregon. If you have a small young onset group and you're trying to attract more people, think about expanding it to other groups like MS, stroke, traumatic brain injury. Um, I used to run a group called Broken Brains. We didn't have a lot of YOPD, but there were others, so we could all get together and share the common medical maladies in life. So that's my idea. That's a great idea. Thank you. That was fun. That's, I really enjoyed it. And I want to make sure that we get to continue to do it. And we uh, have a message from the WPC for everybody. Uh, we are having, uh, I say we because I'm an ambassador of the WPC, we're having some financial issues. We didn't get as much money uh, from our sponsors this year because... Inflation is real. Recession in the advertising industry as well. And so there's just not the budgets that there's usually to do these things. And uh, so we need to find some, some, some new companies that maybe want to step up or some new organizations or personal donations. You can do personal fundraising do Facebook fundraiser. Uh, there's there's a lot of opportunity there, and and we really encourage if you have the funds available to donate them to the uh, World PD Coalition, which is the organization that runs the WPC. WorldPDCoalition.org is the website, and you can go down to the bottom, or you can contribute and donate um, at a link there. We will also put a link on our liner notes for this episode. 
we encourage you just to think about whether you want the WPC to continue or not, and that it is a little bit at risk. They usually announce where the next one's going to be on the last day at the closing ceremonies of the the World Parkinson Congress, and they didn't this time because it isn't secured yet. What we do know is that it will be happening in the United States, um, but the location cannot be announced because it hasn't been secured yet. So we need to get secure some more funding and some more sponsorships in order to get that moving. Um, it, there also is a question about whether it will happen in two years or in three. To keep it on its original track of every three years, it would need to happen again in two years because this last one was delayed a year because of COVID. We'd like to keep it on that track so that it can happen more frequently, keep the momentum going, keep the collaborations going. Um, but if the funding doesn't come through, they may need to push it another year. So let's keep it going at uh, the, the swifter pace. Yes. The swifter pace means swifter change. And that's what we're going for. For sure. And thank you in advance for supporting that and for sharing that with other people because it's important to get that note, note around because I don't know that everybody's aware of it. All right. We have some news regarding our Parkinson's. I'm going to have DBS surgery. Uh, October 24th is my uh, drill date. <laughs> uh, and and uh, we're going to do some episodes around deep brain stimulation. We've, we've done that before, but never with me under the drill. So these will be more personal uh, and more of our discussions around the idea of deep brain stimulation. Yeah, we're going to be talking about how we're dealing with it, what information is coming through, what's the evolution of the process. It's all going to be happening relatively quickly. So we're going to be doing some episodes between now and then. As a little teaser, though, let's give them a picture of a portion of our experiences. I say our, well, yeah, it's our, our. experience. Imagine this, if you will. As part of the evaluation process, there was an in-person visit with the team. And to prepare for that, Larry needed to go off of his medication for the first time in six years for 14 full hours so that he was fully off of his medication. It's okay? Yeah. Oh, Yeah. Yes. How could you tell? <laughs> and Rebecca. Rebecca. Yeah. Hi, nice to meet you. Hi, nice to meet you. Come on with me. We're going to go down to... Very stiff. Yeah. Very, very um, uh, rigid and uh, tense, I guess. It's, it's like um, very slow to think and walk. And talk apparently. Um, inside, like I can see that I'm moving faster in my head than I am on my outside. Does that make sense? So it's a little bit feeling trapped. 
Okay. And then the, the idea is the greater the difference in scores, especially motor-wise, motor yeah. then the more you believe the DBS would be effective. Right. So we usually look for a 40% drop in scores, and just, like I said, without adding it up, I'm pretty sure we've got over that. Like, you've gone from, you know, you're really slow, like, your movement was very sparse, very small movements, yeah. you know, very slow movements, and when I see you now, your arm, you're much more fluid, your movements are a lot quicker, your walk yeah. speed and your walk has improved, so to me that that looks really good. So, you know, I, I would think you've got a good drop in scores. Hello. Hey, Dr. Honey, how are you? I'm very well. Nice to put a face to a name. Yeah, same, same. Likewise. How are you? Hi, nice to meet you, Rebecca. Hey, Rebecca. Chris. Nice. So, um, all your tests look good. Uh, for the candidate for surgery. We're gonna try and capture how you were when you were at your best on the meds. But we can't lift you up better than that how you were 10, 15 years ago. Yet. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> and what did it look like to you, honey? The difference between off and on was about 20, maybe 30 years. Wow. It aged you immediately. You looked like the Parkinson's diagram of the old man, the illustration of the old man who's kind of walking rigidly and with a frozen face. <laughs> I hate that um, thing. And this was a bit of a surprise because we hadn't seen what the actual progression of your disease was, especially motor functions and walking. Yeah, it was, it was a very um, stutter step, like just like a shuffle, like two inches at a time, uh, maybe. Uh, I, I, both, of my, both my arms had tremors. Mm -hmm. um, which was new. Which is new. Uh, and and personally, it felt like I was trapped inside somebody else's body. I could think co cogently, but I, couldn't ec I could not communicate anything to my body. It also made us quite grateful for levodopa. levodopa. As much as we complain about it because it's kind of the only game in town, it really is, at least in your case, <laughs> doing remarkable work every it, day. It's amazing that they cannot call it disease-modifying because it has such a tremendous impact on the your daily life that it feels like it's I guess it's symptom modifying but it's 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 a game changer like if I can't imagine not having it I can't so we'll be talking about DBS as that continues to unfold and we get closer to we're also going to revisit the episodes which end up being quite popular episodes it turns out from about a year and a half ago called the talk we're going to do another series potentially we'll see how many episodes it takes us to get through <laughs> talking about whatever we're dealing with for those who may not be aware we highly recommend going back and looking at these it's from the winter of 20 don't just look at them listen to them listen to Take a look. Take a listen. <laughs> to the three-part series called The Talk, which is from a couple of winters ago, where we talk about where we are in the Parkinson's journey. How are we doing emotionally? How are we doing as a marriage and a family? And uh, it gets pretty, gets pretty serious and funny and ridiculous. Real talk. And real talk. So we're going to be 
revisiting, seeing what's changed since then, but also what's going on with us now. And if you have a question that you would like us to address, please email us. It's parkinsonspod at curiouscast.ca. When Life Gives You Parkinson's is a Curious Cast production. Story producer is Dila Velazquez and sound design by Greg Schott. The presenting partner is Parkinson Canada, where people with Parkinson's are at the center of everything they do. Parkinson Canada funds critical research, provides information and support, increases awareness and advocates for improved healthcare outcomes for people with Parkinson's across Canada. Learn more at parkinson.ca. PD Avengers, a global alliance of people with Parkinson's, their partners and friends, united to the cause of ending Parkinson's disease. Join us now, pdavengers.com. And we'd really appreciate it if you would share this podcast with somebody you know. Personal recommendations are the most effective way to grow the audience and raise awareness of Parkinson's disease. Keep positive. Keep exercising. Keep listening. We'll talk to you next time.